Holy Letters of the Rebbe, Volume 9. This is letter number 2648. So uh, earlier um, in letter number 2648, over there the Rebbe addresses about the Mikhtove uh, Hagniza. They printed in a publication, a Chabad publication, in, 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 in Poland, in, in Warsaw, and it, it came out, uh, that was after the, that was before the war, after the Rebbe came out of Russia, and he resided in, in, in Atvask, in, in, in Warsaw. They published a, a publication called Hatomim. In there, they published what they called the Geniza Chersonis. Uh, uh, that's the uh, Geniza, which they found uh, in Kherson, and they found a lot of manuscripts and a lot of uh, details, and there was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of complaints that um, uh, they were actually forged. You know, people said that they were forged; they weren't really right. And the Rebbe is defending them very strongly. And um, we read, uh, and the other letter was dated in. Uh, in, in letter 2697, this was dated Adarishan Tovshin Yudalad. So, first other, this is, was was already Adar uh, Shani and uh, Nisan and Ir, so a couple of months later. So, uh, the Rebbe uh, continues. The Rebbe says, I want to continue. Uh, in a publication, they criticized and they said that it was not authentic. So the Rebbe says, I want to continue about this uh, subject, about these letters that come from the Geniza. The Rebbe says, although I don't have the time to really uh, give it the necessary length and details, but I will respond to several points, the Rebbe says. And that is, so he says that... uh, most, the decidedly majority of the letters and the handwriting of this Geniza were written on parchment and not on paper. When I mean the majority, the number I mean actually not a little more than half, but a lot more than three quarters. Three quarters of the uh, Geniza is on parchment. Uh, the letters that were uh, published in the uh, publication known, the Koivitz Hatomim, that was the publication they published, so you can understand that they did not give the person printing it the actual original copies of the Geniza, the actual original documentation. They only gave him a copy. And that has been prepared for several year, several years. Several years before somebody made a copy of the original. And that was made, and the Rebbe writes it through the young man called Dalad Yud. The Rebbe just uses his initials which I don't know who that's referring to, killed by the uh, Nazis, Yemach Shemom, because Rebbe writes Hashem Yim Kom Domoy, in Riga. But he was a 
Yerushamayim. But he wasn't somebody who was meticulous. There's a word here, Baloy. I think it's supposed to be like Avol, but the Rebbe says Baloy. He was not a somebody particular, especially in those matters that did not really uh, make so much difference by the Hasidim, such as dates or similar. Could have, uh, you know, he didn't, he wasn't careful to make with the dates. Because I get, I guess that um, uh, the some of the dates don't match up. That's problem, some of the problems over there. So the Rebbe is saying that A, they printed in the Hatomim, not the originals which were on parchment, but they actually copied it onto paper by this particular uh, young man who may have copied it but wasn't so precise in his copies to make the exact dates. Then as far as uh, the style of the letter, so the Rebbe says... I am surprised about the argument. What is the argument? He says, all of the letters are written in this same style. All of them are the same style. They're saying, it looks like it came from one person because he uses always the same style lettering. So the Rebbe says, I'm surprised at that argument because this uh, idea, uh, this assumption is totally uh, not not valid to begin with. Why? Because amongst these writings, they're not. How could it be one style? There are stories. There are last wills over there. There's savos over there. There's pidyanefesh. There's redemption of soul notes. There is receipts, etc., etc. It's not one style. It's just a whole bunch of different things. It's impossible that this should all be in one style. This is not one style. And the Rebbe says, they say, it was written in one style, mamish. You know, that's what mamish means. Literally, one style. But how could you say this is one style? So the Rebbe says, perhaps what they mean is that these letters, the actual letters that is in the Geniza, all these letters were in one style. Not that the whole Geniza is one style, but the main letter. But the Rebbe said, that's not still justified, this argument isn't justified because several of these letters have been printed already tens of years before they found this Geniza, before this Geniza was found. And they are also found in the writings of the Geniza. So it's understood the contrary. Those who say that the entire Geniza is all been forged, so how could there be uh, that there should be the same style between the letters that have been published already? And we know for sure, without any doubt, and those that have been forged. So, you know, we know some of those letters are true for sure because they've been published way before they even had this 
uh, geniza of these geniza chersonis. And if you're talking about style, uh, so how could a, a letter that was written many years before match up with the style with the forged ones uh, if they're 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 forged? Uh, uh, and so, so the, you can't have the same style both for, between the letters that have been published, and there is no doubt about their, no question about their authentic, authenticity, and those that have been forged, also the contents, also the language, according to the argument. So if your argument is that they can't be the same, then that can't hold water because some of them we know are uh, before. So how could the forged ones, if you're saying they're forged, be identical to the ones that we know are authentic? So that means that if you if your argument is that since they have to be, uh, they can't be identical, but we know some of them are really, uh, without a doubt, are authentic. So how would that match up with those that you, you say that they were forged? But that's not a problem, the Rebbe says, Bechlal. Why? Uh, it's self-understood uh, that there is an, a, 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 an alignment between them. There is some, there is an alignment, some of with the letters the same, especially when Hasidim write to their Rebbe's, that they try to use the style of the letters in general, the way they do, to try to, you know, copy the Rebbe. You know, they would be doing like the Rebbe does. Uh, you know, it's uh, known that this is said in a light way, uh, based our sages of blessed memory say that you should follow Hashem. So the Gemara says, how could you go after Hashem? Hashem is beyond. How, how is one to follow uh, after the divine? It says you go after the Shekhinah. Uh, so you say, you go connect to a Talmud Chacham, connect to a sage who has the divine, he's connected to the divine. So you follow, meaning you try to mimic your, 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 your teacher. Uh, uh, so a student so another basically we're saying the Gemara says that you can't follow Hashem that's true but a student can follow his teacher that's that's the saying that they use well you can't follow Hashem but you can follow so Hasidim students always try to mimic and try to copy their uh, their Rebbes Uh, there is a uh, something, a, an example for this uh, a, a, uh, that is known that those who used to copy the writings and the memoriam of the Hasidists in old generation, they tried to use their handwriting, uh, the rabbis' handwriting. So if there was... Now, sometimes, you know, you can just tell by the handwriting, even though it's not the rabbi, but they try to mimic the Rebbe's handwriting. So, without even looking like in the mimer, you can tell 
just by looking at the handwriting, if this was somebody who was in the generation of the Mittler Rebbe, because he mimicked the Mittler Rebbe's handwriting, or it was the Tzamach Tzedek, because they mimicked the Rebbe's. So, basically, the Rebbe says the style isn't a problem, because there is comparison. They always like to uh, use the style of the Rebbe. Now, another point they pointed out, that there is many, many mistakes. So the Rebbe said, I already wrote in my letter, in uh, dated the first of Odashiridalad, that if the uh, assumption, if it's correct, they, my estimate, I estimate, that these letters that they found have been copied from the actual handwriting. The Rijiner had the handwriting. They arrested him, and they uh, and when he escaped, and they they took away the handwriting. They had to replace it with other. Uh, so they quickly copied, uh, and they did it quickly. It wasn't done by professional uh, people that would copy, and uh, and also, as mentioned earlier, the Hasidim never were particular about dates. They didn't care about dates. So the Rebbe said that's no surprise uh, about most of the mistakes that you're talking about, so that it doesn't match up with the dates. That's not a problem, because they copied it, and therefore they weren't paying attention, or they didn't do it precisely. And, and for sure, the Rebbe says, take a look today, when a person copies something, if you give somebody the copy, you know, and the Rebbe was in the printing business, you know, printing the books and everything else. So you give today somebody the copy. Before you proofread it, there is a great percent, a lot of percentage, I mean, without spell checker or without, but you have a lot of, a, a big percentage of mistakes. Especially if you're copying from a handwriting which is mesosal, uh, which is a very curvy roundabout, that one letter ties into the le- next letter. You know, like in cursive, you know, that you're, but also in Hebrew, you know, you're, you're writing in such a way. And, and very specific, prote protis, if you have the copier trying to explain the abbreviations, and he does that quickly, trying to uh, un, uh, untangle all these abbreviations, so not only will it increase the number of mistakes, but also the types of mistakes. So the Rebbe says, go ahead and ask somebody who's not an expert in copying. Uh, uh, so without uh, giving him a lot of times, let him unravel one of the handwritings of those days. Give somebody quickly, the Rebbe says, uh, uh, a manuscript, give him a handwriting from the olden days, and let's see how quickly, and give him a short, let him quickly undo it. Like a letter of the Bachshemto, of a letter of a Rav Tzadik, Horadok, that were printed in Hatomim in the first uh, booklet or the second one, and you will examine the mistakes that he will have. Let somebody take that hand, take that handwriting, and quickly let's see how you are going to resolve it. And the Rebbe says, especially in our case, uh, based on 
the assumption here, to begin with, they weren't particular on the, uh, I think it means diuk, on, it says diun, I think it should be diuk, on the accuracy from the copy. So Rebbe says, based on the above estimation, I will just do one more paragraph and then we'll continue. Uh, based on the above estimation that the uh, copy of the actual handwriting was made for the people of the government in order and for the purpose to get them to think, to trick them that this is the actual manuscript that they took so that they're bringing it back. So now we understand why the uh, look needed to be like the original letters. So, and likewise, almost on each one and one of these letters on the other side, there is also has the uh, address in Russian of the uh, of the appointed uh, person over there. Uh, okay, so that's now. Another argument they had, okay, let's leave this uh, for here, for now. The different arguments that the people had, one of the arguments is, why is the percentage of letters that deal with Torah matters so few uh, relative uh, to the, uh, and you know, Torah matters and the, uh, um, generally matters, it's basically, you know, talking about uh, mundane stuff, but if it was, you know, such holy letters from great rabbis, you would expect that it should have some more Torah, more contents in there. Why is there so few contents in there? And the Rebbe says, well, I'm going to answer you this question with the letter, because the previous Rebbe the Rebbe is defending the stand of the previous Rebbe, who based his stand on his father, the father of the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab. So the previous Rebbe writes with regards to these letters over there uh, that was printed in that journal called Hatomim, in the first, uh, uh, first booklet, the first publication. Over there, the Rebbe writes in the end of his letters, that there are also some stuff in this uh, Geniza which deals with the esoteric Kabbalah In other words, there is the esoteric that remains esoteric. There's some of the uh, Kabbalah that people use on a practical way. They use it. Uh, there is like they use the various different combination of God's names and similar. These are very deep subject matters in the Kabbalah that you cannot give it over only through Hulu, etc. Basically, the Rebbe is saying that he did not um, print a lot of the stuff that are included in that Gniza. He didn't print them because they are not something that you can print a lot of the other stuff that they were there. 
It looks like one of the people that was one of the main opponents or argument, as we'll see later on, was a a fellow who wrote a book which is called Igris Bal Hatanya That's the letters of the Tanya of the Alter Rebbe and his generation. So he was critical of these Geniza uh, Khersonis. He was critical of it. So um, he writes, he says, the Rebbe says that he does not bring that piece down at all that the Rebbe writes. In other words, that there was much many other things that they didn't actually print that was there. So that he leaves out. Uh, and also he also leaves out the main piece which the previous Rebbe writes, in which he presents his father's opinion. He writes like this, this is the quote, after his father went through all of these handwritings, and he read all the stories, and all the manuscripts he lettered, he praised them greatly, and he revealed that in his opinion, his holy opinion, that's the previous Rebbe writing, that all the uh, writings and all the letters are only copies. They have been copied. However, the content of these letters and these writing and these manuscripts are true. If you find, he says, some contradiction, you find some uh, difficulties in there, they're very small relative to the great contents that is in there. So, therefore, the Rebbe says, uh, uh, he says that would be attributed to a mistake of those who copied it but not in the actual letters itself. Uh, so he doesn't, he's being critical of these authentic, but he doesn't bring down that which the previous Rebbe writes, that in his father's opinion, who went through all the documentation, all the writings and all the things, it was his view that they are authentic and notwithstanding, if you would find like one forged letter, that does not mean that it's all forged. So the Rebbe says, so the fact that they only printed some and not everything, so it's no surprise that the letters that would have contents is small relative to other letters because they have not been uh, printed. They did not give them to print in the uh, journal, in the Hatamim, they didn't print it. That doesn't mean that they weren't there. It just means that they didn't print it. And then he gives another, uh, the Rebbe gives another whole argument over here. He says, people in the olden days basically didn't just write. Uh, They would, uh, you know, be very careful about publishing and writing and uh, doing other things. So the Rebbe says, anybody who has even just a uh, superficial knowledge how the Hasidic masters, the leaders of the Hasidim in those generations, they know, if a person has some knowledge, he knows 
that they did not write down their teachings. On the contrary, they were very careful from writing it down for various reasons. Only in exceptional cases, very exceptional cases, and when it was impossible to give a response orally, then did they write it down. And also in a very short hand, very short. So, therefore, somebody's going to come up with a question and say, how come between the writers of one of the leaders, one of the Admurim, one of the Rebbes in the previous generation, why do we find such a small amount uh, of Torah of Torah words? Uh, so that if you ask such a question, that only shows that you have very little knowledge on their conduct, the way their, their custom was. Not only that, the Rebbe says, even in the time of the previous Rebbe and his father, the Rebbe Rashab, with all the titles, they did respond to those who asked them whether it was in the revealed subjects of Torah or in the Hasidic, and they did it a lot more than the Chabad Rebbe's that preceded them. And that would be a lot more for sure than those Rebbe's in the generation of the Baal Shem Tov, of the Magid, and uh, and their uh, their archives uh, were, uh, were kept. And we know for sure that this is their handwriting, or a copy of their handwriting. So we know for sure that this is theirs, and yet you find very few, a very small percentage is Torah. So they didn't write much Torah. So why is that? So the Rebbe says that's very understood. It's understood why. Because people would come to the Admorim, to the Rebbe's, with problems that they had physically. As the expression, the needs of your people are many. So there was a lot of people coming to the doorsteps and to the Rebbe's to asking them for their needs. So the people asking a physical uh, matter was more, those who were asking for a blessing, or physical matter, they were more than those who would ask questions in the words of Torah, whether it's revealed or in the Hasidic teaching. In those cases, most of those people would ask it orally when they would travel to their Rebbe for the holidays, for the festivals. They would go in for a meeting, a private meeting with the Rebbe. Those questions, they're not pressing. You don't, it's not something that you can't wait for weeks or months. You can wait till you meet the Rebbe. So if you had a question, you wouldn't write it down and you wouldn't expect an answer. You would have a discussion with the Rebbe when you met the Rebbe. It wasn't urgent. As opposed to the urgent matters that people had, health, other things that they needed to get the Rebbe's attention right away. So that argument that the Rebbe says, that the argument that they say, that there's so little words of Torah there and there's so much other stuff there, doesn't really hold the argument because uh, that was not the style, first of all, to write it down. And also people 
mostly, even if you look at these people that we know for sure, it's their archives, we know for sure it was preserved, and yet you found the words of Torah being a minimal, and the other things being a lot more. That doesn't prove anything. Now, there's another thing is like this, when you sign a name, most of the time, unless you're asking for a bracha for health, then you go by your mother's name. Like when you make a mishaberach by the Torah, if you're asking for health, then you say such, the son of the mother. But other than that, like when you get an aliyah for the Torah, or other than that, you always go by the father's name. That's the tradition. So, in some of those letters, one of the arguments, the signatures are the name, and then it has the mother's name. And that's done similar to what we do when you give a pidya nefesh, a redemption of soul note, that's when you're asking for, uh, for the soul in which you would write the mother's name. And, but that's unusual. So they're saying, well, that's unusual. But the Rebbe says that's not an argument either because if you have any kind of knowledge in the customs of the Hasidim when they write to the Rebbe, no, that many times... On, uh, uh, many times, uh, a lot of times, they would sign by using their mother's name. And even if it was just a regular letter, not only in the redemption of soul note, they would write the name of the, uh, of the, of the mother. That was a, a tradition by many. And then the Rebbe says, this whole assumption, if you're going to find one letter that is forged. That means that it's all forged. That that is something which is totally rejected. You can't say that if you find one forged letter that would mean that everything is forged. Because the Rebbe says if you take that approach then all of our holy books that we have today you can God forbid say they're all forged on the basis because there is many printing mistakes in, in our books. There's many additions that came later on. And we know, the Rebbe says, even in the Talmud, there is additions that come from the later rabbis, Rabbonon Sivroi, they're not really from the Gemara. They came from the later generation of rabbis. And similarly by others form that follow. So are you going to say, oh, the Gemara is not authentic because... There is later addition because there's mistakes. On the contrary, the Rebbe says, it would be another evidence. If you find one letter amongst those letters that is 100% authentic, because you know that by uh, tradition they have been passed along from Rebbe to Rebbe, and you see that letter, that would prove that everything else is authentic. If you can get one letter that you know by secret tradition, which means people don't know it, but the Rebbe's, you know, along in the family line, it has been passed along, one Rebbe from the mouth of the other Rebbe. So that's not something that somebody can forge and write up a letter uh, just like, uh, they call it, like a blind person in the... uh, uh, in, in the in the window, looking for 
you know, you're you're tapping your way around. You're looking for for an exit. Uh, how, how did somebody just forge and come up with a authentic letter that we know is authentic, and he just forged it? So you have to say that he must have copied it from the actual handwriting that was known that from those people that knew from that secret tradition, that was the letter that he copied it from. And whatever that letter is, whether it is names of Hashem, how to combine them, or whether they're deep subjects in the Kabbalah, whether it's ways how to administer oath to the angels, to have the angels do things by your command, there is that, those kinds of things. And these are all matters and categories that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, in his, in his letter says that they're all over there, part of that Geniza. You have all these types of stuff in there. So, this is something which can't just make up if it's authentic, if there is a... That must be that he copied it from a real place. And then the Rebbe says, it's surprising. Here you have a guy who should... who is uh, forging all these kinds of Kabbalistic and things over there, and all of a sudden he disappears. And we never heard about him beforehand. So the Rebbe says, in my eyes, that would be very surprising that somebody totally unknown is able to come up and start to forge things like that. You never heard about it. Uh, Because if a person wants to forge letters, even those that are already printed. Forget about the Rebbe saying those letters that weren't printed, but those were printed. And Rebbe says, for sure, for somebody to forge those letters that weren't printed, because it looks like they have much more Kabbalistic and esoteric parts to them. Uh, so, those, uh, those letters, those hidden things that they didn't print, the previous Rebbe said that his father, the Rebbe Rashab, studied them many times, and he said that they were great, he, he, he praised them greatly, that means he approved the content over there, he said it was, uh, it was great, praised them. So for a person to go ahead and write up, forge all these kinds of stuff, he has to be a very talented guy. I mean, how does he know how to write all these uh, Kabbalistic stuff? So not only does he have to know how to forge well, but he has to know, he has to have a significant amount of knowledge in Kabbalah and Hasidus for him to go up and make up all these stuff. Not only that, he also has to have a pretty intimate uh, knowledge, the relationship between the Rebbes, one to another, and their family members that are all mentioned in these letters. So there's a whole... So that, that person forging them, if you want to say forging, was a pretty, uh, you know, respectable person. So, 
if this guy was such a, uh, this person was so capable and so, how come we didn't hear from him, such a capable guy, why should he, why didn't he publicize something in the years that came before the Geniza, for and, and, and afterwards, no. We never heard of this guy again. Such a talented, knowledgeable person who forged all this, where is he? And, 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 and Rebbe says, there were even people in the olden days, like, we didn't know, they didn't put their name on their book, for example. But people were smart enough, and people would, would try to look and find, well, who's the author of this? Who? Somebody wrote something very powerful. People would try to find out. So the Rebbe says it's known that in the past generation, when you weren't sure who the author of a book is, wasn't clear. So then they explained that, well, maybe this person is suspect of writing this book or this writing. And they say, well, why would we suspect this person? Because of his, uh, his knowledge. In other words, even if you're going to say this guy never uh, published his name or never did anything, somehow they would uh, suspect someone who's such a knowledgeable person. Somehow somebody would, would be attributed to that. Never heard of him. Nobody before, nobody later. Rebbe gives some example. Like even the Zohar, now we're up to like Bomer, the Hilula of Rav Shimbar Yechoi. Even the Zohar, they thought the name of Ramosha de Leon, maybe he was the author. Many responses of the Rishona, of the earlier ones, they mixed up the Ramban, the Rashbod, the Ritva, one with the other. In other words, people attributed things to greater people. And also in our generation, later generations, there's the uh, response of Sam Rish. Uh, who exactly is the author? They found uh, graves in 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 Krim, the Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Talmud of Kochim, etc. And the Rebbe says it's obvious. Don't need to go into this. Basically, he's saying if there was somebody writing all these things some suspicion would have fell on somebody. They would have uh, put some name, if there was some genius out there who knew how to forge stuff, and he had a good knowledge in all of the contents that is there, somewhere, somehow, they would have attributed, try to say, well, maybe this is the author. Nothing, nobody, he disappeared. We don't hear anybody. There's this guy who's a genius in, in forging stuff, and nobody knows about it, nobody heard about it. Uh, then the Rebbe gives out, gives, it, gives out another thing. He says, uh, there was a, uh, a uh, they instituted that people should never publish books, no matter who the author is, without getting an approbation, getting an approval. Any book needs an approval. What's the reason? Obvious. Because any human being can make a mistake. And you're always close to yourself. So we know that self-love covers 
for all sins, all misdeeds, misstep. You can never be your own judge, give your own approval, no matter who you are. And you can never really believe in your own intellect. Can't do that. So therefore, even the greatest of the Jewish people, and the true, that we get, they were like one in a generation, geniuses and great rabbis, they would always consult and ask other people before they put a ruling. The Rebbe's complaint is against this author who comes to conclusions against this just based on his own self without any approval. Our, sadly to say, in our shameful generation, nobody needs approbations. Everybody who wishes says that he can judge all by himself. He makes a conclusion all by himself. Like it says in the Perkyovis, the only one who can judge by himself is Hashem. Nobody else can judge by themselves. You need other people to support your view. But here, people come to conclusion, they judge by themselves. That certainly in an area which is definitely his, that's his place of familiarity. But if the area is not his, you know, he doesn't even have such, uh, the subject matter is not so familiar to him. So then he does estimation and he tries to assume and he says, okay, that's the way it is. That's my assumption, that's the way it is. And then the printer prints what he says and the reader makes a decision. And he says, well, it was printed. Can't challenge this. It says so in the book. That's what he wrote. So, now, the Munkacher Rebbe, the author of the Sefer Mechzalaz and other, he was in generally, he was a man that used to, uh, with storm and, and he never refrained from giving sharp expressions. He would expose them. When he wrote, writes generally about the Mechtavi Geniza, he writes with a measure of careful. In other words, he doesn't just outright say it. He also objects to it, but he says it with a certain uh, level of caution. He says, well, there were other forgery, forgerers had uh, access to it. He says, be careful, don't believe them. These letters are suspect of being forged. Okay. I mean, he could have just said, you know, they're forged. He's, he uses language, but not carefully, he writes. That's the way he writes it. My father-in-law, he writes this decision of his father after examining all the writings of the Geneva, Niza, with the exception of those individual uh, letters, which for some reason they came to others, he didn't get them, over the period of several months, he says 
that the contents of these letters and these are, is true, and those contradictions that you find are relatively light relative to the amount of the beautiful stuff that is found in them. They are the only ones that saw who? The previous Rebbe, the Rebbe's father, the portion of the Kisvegeniza, which content is Kabbalah matters, they are descriptions of various descriptions of the names of Hashem, the names of angels, their songs, the combination of the various different names of Hashem, how to administer an oath and all. The only one who saw those things are the previous Rebbe and his father. So, okay, you have the Rebbe Bunkach says he doesn't know. And yet the Rebbe says, basically, the one, the author of Igris Balatav and Edoira, he writes all of them. He writes, that's the way he writes about them. All those investigating the truth of these writings, they never went down to really inspect all the contents of the letters. What is, what is he saying that, the Rebbe is saying? Yes, the, the Rebbe Rashab and his father did investigate. And he writes, I've come to a conclusion that all the letters of the Geniza that have been printed are forged. That's what he writes. And what he says, there's some of them that were printed and were publicized with the approval of the great of Israel. They had made a mistake, he said. That's what he writes. So, so the Rebbe says, who is the innocent reader who's going to even doubt the certainty that it's so obvious to him? Basically, he writes it with such certainty and such obvious that it's for him. So here you see the Rebbe takes piece by piece all the arguments and he says that none of them really can stand up to the fact that both the previous Rebbe and the Rebbe have looked at them, they've approved them, notwithstanding that there may be some contradictions and all the arguments against them are not uh, in their power to go against the actual uh approval and authentication from the Rebbe Rashab and the previous Rebbe and therefore the Rebbe stands very strongly against the conclusion of the Bal Igris Balataim and Edora who questions and he definitely says there is definitely not even like the Rebbe wrote the Munkacher who is a little bit more reserved about it and he says no nothing and the Rebbe says basically Uh, This is the view of his view.